You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 107 of Sticks in the Six. Back live, boys, here at the bottom line, the locker room podcast studio here at 22 Front Street. Uh, we all know how I blew that one last week. <laughs> what did you What did you say again? Twenty two Jump Street. Twenty two Jump Street. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot about that. I don't so, think I'd forget about you saying twenty two Jump Street. Oh man, I must have been living in that uh, living in that film. But um, you got to get Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum in on an episode. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. But boys, brought to you by the Indiel House, our sponsors here at uh, at the bottom line as well. Um, thank you to the Indiel House for uh, for taking a chance on us here, but. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of leaf talk, a lot of streaking to talk about, and not the streaking that some of you guys think I'm talking about. But we do have some streaking to talk about. Before we get to all of that, though, Alex, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Always happy to be back at Bottom Line. This is this has been a blast to do ever since our first episode back at the season opener. The Leafs haven't had great success when we've uh, been here, but granted, that's only a two-game sample size, so hopefully there's still some time for, uh, for that to change. Um, I'm going to the game tonight, so I'm, I'm pretty fired up for that. To see uh, the old Jason Spezza away jersey. He's going to be making its debut. And uh, hopefully it's a good omen for tonight because, you know, everyone loves the sauce. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, the vibes are all great. Pumped to be here. Peter, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Like Alex said, you know, always fantastic to be here. Lively atmosphere. Um, really can't think of a better opportunity to, like, kick off a Leaf game than doing a live show here. And also, like Alex said, let's hope that we could go to 1-2 and two as opposed to 0-3 here. So thinking positive vibes tonight. Well, as you guys both kind of mentioned, you have your jerseys on. This is the first time at our live show I'm not wearing a jersey. i got a beautiful Sticks in the Six sweater here, but I decided to hang my jersey on the back of my chair That's here. Um, Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner is uh, the one I brought today. Um, I... I couldn't wear it. I couldn't wear it. He's on. He's on one hell of a streak, um, and I didn't want to be. I'm a superstitious guy. I didn't want to be yeah. the guy that Dude. ends his streak. I feel you. I'm in the same yeah. boat. I was. I, I threw down a little bet before the game today, and I just. I, I I wanted to hit Marner for a point tonight, but I just I can't do it because I know the first, as soon as I do that, his streak is going to break, and I'm going to be the one to blame for it. So I, I just I couldn't bring myself to do. I see exactly where you're coming from. Well, you guys know. What kind of heater I was on with my my betting recently and uh, FanDuel partner and fan, yeah FanDuel partner. <laughs> but uh, as I was leaving, my, I said to my wife, "I'm not wearing the Marner jersey. I'm hanging on the back of the chair." And she said, "You know, there's going to be about a hundred other Marner jerseys downtown." She's 100 percent right. But if it ends tonight, I will not be the guy. I do not it bet on Marner's it. streak. Yeah. I am staying away from it. But the other the other night, I did bet on him to have two points. I think it was like his 18th game in a row or something like that. And um, he was sitting at one. They went on to a power play, and I said to my wife as we were sitting in the living room, I said, cheer for Mitch Marner to get a point here. 25 seconds in, he notches the power play goal. And there you go. Me. Sarah Forbes knows puck. Yeah. Sarah Forbes knows puck. I was on an absolute heater, and she was just she was just a part of it. So, anyways, gentlemen, we've got uh, some Leaf talk to get into, as I mentioned. Uh, but before we do, let's talk a little uh, little le- uh, league talk. Um Gary Bettman. We're, what, 30 years of Gary Bettman uh, at the NHL helm. And uh, he he did a little speaking uh, this week and, and mentioned that, you know, the cap is only going up $1 million next year. Playoff formats and ads on the boards where players are literally disappearing as they're taking slap shots um, from the blue line. are There's no issue with it. So, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. Your ad, your ad talk, your playoff format, what are your thoughts on Gary Bettman's uh, little speech there? So I'm going to quote somebody uh, that I saw tweet this take on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but just so you know that I saw someone say it first. The whole thing about, you know, Gary Bettman saying there's no issue as it stands with the playoff format. Sure, you can make an argument. Yeah, it's not not worth changing right now. But here's my take on it. And I, I stole this take from the person I saw on Twitter. There was nothing wrong with the playoff format when they changed it to begin with. One, there was nothing wrong with one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. There's nothing wrong with that, and they went ahead and made a change just to just to shake things up, I guess. And I'm not a fan of that because you know it's it's resulted in either Tampa Bay or Boston in the playoffs most seasons. And I know we can't really complain about that because they had their shots against Montreal and Columbus too, and 
all know how that turned out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I found myself, I, I found, found it to be annoying that he said that because it's like, Gary, really, like there was nothing to fix to begin with. So sure, you could say there's nothing to fix now, but you know, why'd you do it in the first place then? So, and in terms of the board ads, I mean, personally, I, 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 I'd probably, if anything, still prefer to have the, the, the static ads on the boards instead of them changing constantly. But I actually haven't noticed that as much as I think some people may have. So personally, it hasn't bugged me as much as his comment about the playoff format. But I mean, yeah, it's, it, it seems like just typical Gary, Gary Bettman being tone deaf and not really understanding what his demographic wants. Reading the room, right? Reading, reading, the, room reading the room. What's yeah. going There's on. so many opportunities where he has to read the room. It's, it's like every single time he's, he's he's looking at the room and he just turns his head. He's like, nope. Turns nope. his back on the room and looks nope. behind him. Yeah. And that's that's what he kind of focuses on. But maybe if we maybe if we instead of reading the room, we set up some pictures for him to look at instead. <laughs> it might make things a little easier for him. Little little know. picture book for Gary Bedman after 30 years <laughs> of running the NHL. But you know what? You said you can't complain, but you can complain. We're long-suffering Leaf fans here, okay? <laughs> We're allowed to complain about the fact that Everything. Hey, every time we're seeing Tampa or, or Boston or we get Montreal that has like the run of their lives to the Stanley Cup final, um, we're allowed to complain a little bit. We want yeah. to see some some second round I hockey. Take, I take it back. We we deserve more than this. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> we do. Peter, what are your thoughts on what Batman had to say, especially with the cap going up just a million bucks next year? I mean, Based on the projection that we saw before and like how they planned everything out year to year, like over the next five year plan, you knew it was going to be a slow increase. So it's going to start off with like one, one to two million over the next two years, and then it's going to go over, and then it's going to be like a projection of like 90 plus million. So, in essence, they're on par of where they want to go or how they want to like approach it and basically try to get that revenue back and increase the salary cap, which is going to be great for. You know, a team like the Maple Leafs because everyone's saying we're in cap hell, you know, and you know, so to speak, we're managing it right now. But imagine what that one extra million could do—the two million, the five, the ten, even. So as of right now, is any little bit helps. Any little bit helps if you're a cast or a team that's struggling to like try and find some cash right now. Any any bit's going to help. But at the same time, I was looking at the um, Greg Greg Wyshynski's tweet about the uh, the board ads. And man, the ratio on there is just absolutely brutal. <laughs> I mean, um, you could just make every single like sarcastic comment on there about how it's a non-issue and the polls that he's like trying to refer to. And it's like, okay, you're mentioning these polls. Show us these polling numbers. I would want to see them because every one that's online has a different take on what you're trying to say right now. So it seems like whatever Gary Bettman is trying to put like a positive spin on it. It's not going to work. It never has worked, and it's not going to work in the future. It's, I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of what we've been talking about with Hockey Canada for the last, I don't know, three, four months is transparency, right? Yeah. Show us the numbers so we yeah. can understand why you're making certain decisions. Um, the one million, as you mentioned, certainly helps uh, in a, from a Leaf standpoint. Obviously, right now, I think they're sitting at $88 million with the LTIR. Um, so obviously they can, you know, save a little bit on that, but in terms of the, the overall growth, this, we have to remember that the Leafs signed these contracts that they have based on the fact that the cap Before is going to be going up 4 million, you know, mm -hmm. 3 million a year. Now we're going up a million, which is why we are in a little bit of cap hell, yeah. um, from, from, you know, the, an outside standpoint looking in. Right. Um, but as for the, the, the ads on the boards, I, I'm right in line with everybody else. I was watching a game the other night and. Players were disappearing in the board ads while they're taking slap shots from the point or the hash marks. And I'm like, holy crap, like I can't, I can't even watch this. All I see is a stick and a helmet. I can't even see the damn player. It's like you're wearing a green shirt on a green screen. Yeah, it's 100%. A, it's, I will say, yeah, I didn't mention that before, but it is really trippy when the player blends into the boards. And it's, like, it's almost <laughs> like they're getting sucked back into the shadow realm. Yeah. And they pop right back out. And it's like, where'd that guy go? It was it was Nick Robertson the other night. He was taking a shot from the point. And I'm convinced that's why he got injured was because he disappeared into the shadow realm of the board. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's like you said, Alex, he doesn't really read the room. He never really has. And I'm know, annoyed. For... I'm annoyed because I found some really embarrassing numbers about how each league has grown in revenue every year compared to the NHL. I can't find the tweet, but it's embarrassing. Like, what's, the, what's the contract that uh, Nemo just signed in, in the MLB? Ne Brandon Nemo? Yeah. 
Oh, was uh, it like 187? It's yeah, just, it's it was, just a little over George Springer's contract. Yeah, it was like six six years, 187 million. So look at look at the like money that. that's being tossed around in baseball right now. And I get that they have like a soft cap, but I mean, you're talking about a, some players that play, I would argue, a more grueling sport. Um, yeah, you don't play 162 games, but you're playing 81 games of grinding and and throwing your body around. Games. What did I say? 81. 81. Well, there, that's why. I, that's, why, that's, why, that's, why that's why I haven't. I've been running the NHL for thirty years. You could still do better than Batman. You know, I can forgive you. Well, I, I can forgive you messing up 81, 82 I've games. been saying yeah. twenty-two Jump Street, 30, 81 games. Like I'm, I'm all over the place tonight. I think it's just the tonight. numbers you struggle with. It's it's one hundred sixty-two million for Nimmo. So there you go. Joe. Numerically challenged over here, but you've got you've got the numbers right down to a T. Um, what's what I was going to say is that. For, for most, 30 years is a full career. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you kind of look at, at what he's done for this league and kind of say, you know what, maybe it's time to reel it in, Gary, and we're going to go a different direction? Right now? <laughs> uh, because, I mean, like, even dating back to, like, the whole, like, concussion CDE thing, he was just brushing it off nonstop when everyone, players, families, doctors, for God's sake, were trying to inform him on the issues going on with that kind of turned a blind eye with the whole Kyle Beach thing or like kind of swept it under the rug or try to deflect the blame as much or like deflect everything as we talked about previously before. I mean, everything he tries to do, do, it just tries to better himself or make his image look good. That's not necessarily what you want to try and do as a commissioner. You want to go grow the game, expand it, make sure that everything is going well and not just try to make yourself the center of attention. There, there was literally a movie about concussions in sport. I mean, it was related to, to football, obviously. Yeah. Starring a guy who almost gave another dude a concussion at, uh, at an award show. Mm-hmm. And still Gary Bettman turned a blind eye to concussions. But um, at the end of the day, we're not here to talk about Gary Bettman, obviously. Yeah, that would, that would yeah. be a shitty episode if we came all the way to Toronto to sit down at the bottom line. <laughs> about Gary Bettman. Yeah. Ahead of the Leaf game and talk about Gary Bettman for an hour. Yeah, no, no, no kidding, no kidding. So let's jump over to Bo Horvat, Vancouver, obviously the Canucks. Um, you said it. One of your Canucks friends. I'm, can I read out the text? Absolutely. All right. All right, so I got I, one of my best friends is a huge Canucks fan. He's uh, he's the type of guy on Twitter who never tweets himself, but he's always lurking. He's always reading and sending me tweets. He's the, he's the Twitter lurker. Yeah, he's a Twitter lurker. I get all of his takes in the DMs, and uh, so he may not want me sharing this, but I don't think he cares at this point. I think what he says echoes the sentiment of Canucks fans everywhere. He goes, Nucks are going to trade Bo. I hate this fucking team. Fucking team can't make a good decision to save their life. They somehow win the JT Miller trade and then extend them to a big contract. <laughs> I am beyond pissed. That's and that, <laughs> he hasn't responded since then. So. so that there's the mentality of Canucks Nation in a nutshell. There's the pain in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I it's it, it is really mind blowing. Like you named this guy your captain what two two three years ago, and he he's absolutely been your best player so far this season. Yeah. And yet they can't seem to find to get get something done with this guy. Peter, what are your thoughts on Vancouver? And are we going to see Bo Horvat in the Canucks jersey next season? Um, I don't see Horvat in the jersey next season. Um, when it gets this heated to a point where you he turns down a new contract, obviously the Canucks are in a poor situation themselves. They're outside of a playoff spot once again where you know hopes were kind of high with the moves that they made. And again, we kind of warned them about the whole Ilya Mikheyev contract, how that was risk. Um, nothing's gone right. Nothing's gone right with this team. And uh, there were like so many games to start the season where they would have the lead, blow it, and then ended up losing the game. And it's like, I understand you want to be like show that faith to the team and be in it for the long run because that's what you want to try and do when you're the captain and you're a star player. I totally get that. But when you have that kind of success and had that kind of like – disconnect between forward defense players coaches everybody gms even upper management it is a massive show and a half that it's not going well and if you're Bo Horvat right Bo Horvat right now you want to say hey I don't want any part of this it's too much to handle I want to go out I want to go win send me to a team that can do that and there are plenty of contenders or plenty of teams that are like on that brink of becoming a major contender right now that can that would want Bo Horvat's contract. They would want a solid two-way scoring centerman that can do everything on the ice right now. You know, I really don't understand why the Canucks decided it would be better to sign JT Miller long-term than Bo Horvat. Yeah. 
Like, don't get me wrong. I understand fully that JT Miller was absolutely cracked last season. He had over 100 points. Um, just turned into a complete, like, superstar from what he was. He went from being a really good player to a star player to a superstar player. I mean, I'm going to interject there because he went to being a superstar player in a, in a season where we saw the highest scoring NHL season in over a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy like Chris Kreider who had 40-plus goals. Like, Chris Kreider's not going to be a 40-goal scorer year in and year no, out. Certainly yeah, JT not. Miller's not going to be a 100-point guy year in and year mm-hmm. out. He's he's a second-line guy. Uh, I, would say he, I would say he can be a first-line yeah. guy, but at the same time, who he's there's, with is the biggest yeah, issue. Who he's with is a big part of it. And there's also been questions about his defensive game and his leadership mm-hmm. and, his, and his effort level. Like, we... You saw, I think it was against Montreal where he, or no, it was against Ottawa, sorry. Coughed the puck up. Just he coughed there. the puck up in front of his goalie, stood around, didn't move his feet at all, pivoted, and just watched the watched the player who took the puck away from him score. And it's like, you really want that guy to be the face of your franchise for the next nine years or whatever it was that they signed him to? I just, you know, when, when it comes down to Bo Horvat versus JT Miller, yeah, JT Miller might score more goals. He might be the more offensive player. He might do more on the score sheet. But Bo Horvat's your captain. I don't I just, I, I think that was just an awful move for the culture of the team because now you're seeing, you're in a situation where it looks like the Canucks aren't going to be able to re-sign Bo Horvat. He could be gone by the deadline. And if he's gone by the deadline, hopefully to the Leafs, um, I mean, wh- where, what's the state of the Canucks at that point? You've got JT Miller, who looks like he doesn't give a shit, locked up there for nine years, and that's the culture of the team right now. It's just, it's like it, horrible, horrible mismanagement by the Canucks. I'm going to clarify because I, JT Miller, to me, when you can't drive your own line, you're not a first-line guy, right? And and you can be a supporting role player, like like we see with Michael. Michael Bunting doesn't run his own line. He can't, he can't be a... A guy who runs his own line, he's playing on the first line. To me, JT Miller's the same type of guy. You're you're not going to get him to run his own line, but he's going to be able to get it done. For Horvat, he plays in all situations, can get things done, kills penalties, plays on the power play, can score, can be a, a great playmaker, has everything that you need, every tool that you need in the box to play at the NHL level, to play at a high level at the NHL level. And he's wearing the C, as you said, and you're going to let him walk. Yeah. To me, like when and I, Peter, you mentioned it. When you turn down a contract offer from your team, to me, that's almost game over. It is yeah. game right? over. It's, it's it, it is the beginning of the end. And and there's a lot of speculation, and I've seen kind of both sides of it. You know, when it comes to Leafs Twitter, we all know how Leafs Twitter can be. A lot of people are saying yes, go out and get him. A lot of people are saying don't go out and get him. Regardless of what where he ends up, this guy is going to help retool any team that he's with. Right? Mm-hmm. If you if you see Bo Horvat go to Montreal, let's say Detroit, Buffalo. Detroit, that team all of a sudden gets better. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, JT Miller had an excellent year last season in a year where scoring was up by a mile. So if you want to judge it based on that, and that's what they did, they judged it based on that and they signed him to a contract. Right. So to me, I just. I think this is a big loss for the Canucks. I think I think you're taking ten steps back. You've got guys that like Niles Oglander, yeah. who earlier this year you were sending down to the minors. You've got not even uh, sending him down. They, oh yeah, they, I guess they did put him on waivers, but they also scratched him. Just yeah, and, and then you've got Elias Pettersson, who's been you know hit and miss consistency. hasn't been his greatest greatest strong point ever since Quinn Hughes had his big year. He's been look a few injuries here and there and he's had a rough go as well so that's the that, thing is is that the canucks aren't really having problems producing like if you look yeah. at their stats like all their top four guys are right there with the producing. lead players like they're all point of game players i think i think hughes is over a point a game but he doesn't have a single goal yet it's all assists 25 assists in 24 are we, are we gonna get in the top four talk we're we gonna get in the top well, four well yeah that, this is a good segue but um yeah you i mean you look at the canucks top four in scoring horvat Pedersen. Um, Miller, Kuzmenko, Hughes. Miller and Kuzmenko are all the like all those four guys are point of game players. But the issue is that when you when you when you get to this point in the contract talks with Bo Horvat, and right now, like I said, it looks like he's going to be gone. Like that, you're you're getting rid of your captain. I just I don't see how you recover from that in terms of culture. Like I don't see how you recover from it besides trading him and just mm-hmm. trying to start from scratch again. But at that point. You know, you could have just had Horvat the whole time if you signed him to the extension and not JT Miller. And again, I get it. He scored a lot of points last year. He had over 100 points. 
That was one season. JT Miller is not a lifelong Canuck. Bo Horvat is. So. And this is why you don't overpay for one season because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And Bo Horvat right now on pace for 59 goals. Expected to shatter the 31 mark. Again, 20, we don't know what's going to happen. 20 goals in 28 he's, games. He's having a Cy Young season. He's having mm-hmm. a Cy Young season. Yes. 20 goals already, and he's on pace to get that 30 mark. But I love crossing, let him, let I love crossing sports references. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> Coming off his, his first 30-goal season last season, 52 points. Obviously, he's not the most offensive guy. And maybe that's why you look at maybe you're paying him seven, mm-hmm. eight million. But in, it's a well-rounded aspect that you would wear, risk giving up that seven, eight million for. But it's the leadership in the mm-hmm. room you're paying for. Yeah. It's the penalty killing that you're paying for. He's got, you know, shorthanded points up and down his career. For lack of a better term, it's the passion that you're paying for. It's the passion it's you're the paying passion. for. The passion that you're passion paying for. The Canucks don't have the same passion that we no, have. No, no, no. But, but Bull Horvat, what he does for the Leafs is like equivalent of what Jason Spezza did to the – or sorry – what Bo Horvat does for the Canucks is like the equivalent of what like Darcy Tucker or uh, Shane Corson, Shane Corson, all these guys did for the Leafs. Like it's like he he wants like he I mean he wanted to be a Canuck. Yeah, he doesn't probably doesn't anymore after the way that they've handled these contract discussions. But Scion, uh, especially with the speculation that maybe we see him in a Toronto uniform at some point. It would be a big deal to, to get him here, but uh, obviously with our cap crunch as well. Um, but let's jump over to the World Juniors real quick before we get the Leaf talk. A lot of the uh, final rosters are being named. No Toronto prospect in in the tournament for the first time in 40 years. So consider that. And uh, a lot of that coming because of the lack of draft picks we've had over the last few years as well. Um, a lot of these guys have aged out. Um, but with that said... Um, Alex, your thoughts on Team Canada, guys like Evan Nowis not making the team, guys like Owen Beck not making the team. Is this Canadian team absolutely stacked, or are we looking at some a team that maybe could be a, a, a little bit of a worry heading into the middle? Oh, rounds? buddy, you've got Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, and Adam Fantilli playing together on this team. I, I think that they're fine, personally. Um, th- there obviously were a couple of names that were left off, like the guys you mentioned who were – a little confusing on the forefront, but on top of that, you got to remember that they've got Brant Clark this time around. Finally. Yeah, they missed out on him last year. Obviously, I don't think that was the reason that they finished where they did, but at the same time, you know, probably didn't help their case all that much. Now you've got uh, you've got these three guys in the lineup. You got Brant Clark there. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, it, it is gonna it is gonna suck without any Leaf prospects being there at the entire tournament, and I. Can already read the comments on our on our posts. Uh, Kyle Dubas wrecked the Leafs prospect system. There's no prospects at the World Juniors. You know you're gonna you're gonna get some of that. You're gonna get a lot of that in audio form. It's Twitter. It's that's, Twitter. Well, that's Leafs Twitter. It's also the comment, comment section, section on every fucking article that I write for the hockey writers. Um, but yeah, uh, overall World Juniors. I mean, I I look forward to that tournament more than just about anything else every year because it's just such a great time of year. You know, you, you enjoy you get off of work or school on Christmas Eve or so. It's Christmas Day, and then the next day, you just melt on the couch and watch World Junior Hockey, and you get to do that for the next couple of days. And with leftover turkey stuff and sandwiches, absolutely leftover booze. Every you got the whole deals. Like it's, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. And even if even if the Leafs don't have any prospects there because of Kyle Dubas and his master plan to dismantle the organization. So one of the biggest question marks, uh, Peter, is the goaltending. Benjamin Goudreau and uh, Thomas Milich, um, 2023 eligible goaltender as well. Um, That's the biggest comment that I've seen going around is that there's a little bit of worry when it comes to the team's goaltending, which has been a story on and off throughout the years for Canada's goaltending as well. But we've seen guys like Justin Pogge go out there and have incredible seasons or incredible tournaments rather. the other comment I saw is that the defense is built to, to kind of go against the lack of goaltending. And, and we've seen more defensive players brought on to the team than maybe we have in years past. I want to get your thoughts on the goaltenders, but also the, how the defense is built as well in this roster. Yeah, I just want to start off by saying Ty Voigt leading OHL score, getting snubbed, <laughs> is a big no-no. Um, that's just for me. Uh, but going back to Team Canada... Um, Coincidentally enough, both Milich and Goudreau were on that same U18 team that dominated Texas a few years back, or like 
one or two years ago. And a lot of the names on that team are on this one. Ethan Del Mastro, Brendan Othman, Dylan Genther, Logan Stankoven. You know I'm a big Brendan Othman fan. So to see Wright and Othman reignite that Don Mills Flyers connection with Brand Clark is great to see. But um, I kind of expected this from the goaltending. I actually thought maybe they were going to take three and maybe get that trio of Milich, Goudreau, and Brennan that were at that he was that he was at that tournament as well. Didn't play a game, but Milich and Goudreau were great. So they had that familiarity internationally for Canada. Like you said, to get that defense to try and build it up as sort of one to counteract the defense or like the offense of other teams to try and shut them down, I think it's fantastic because when you look at who they brought in. You know, you already have Brand Clark and Kevin uh, Kraczynski as your offensive-minded defenseman. Guys who could rush the puck, be great in transition, join the rush automatically. I even forgot Olin Zellweger, like one of my favorite players. So to leave Isn't him he one of the guys you got tattooed on your body? Huh? Uh, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to Cali Odelius, yeah. Leo Carlson. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, but you got those three guys to lead the offense. Then you have defensive-minded players like Nolan Allen. I don't think he should have been drafted in the first round by Chicago, but still it's a great stay-at-home name. Um, Domastro, I love. Jack Matier is a very underrated name that I hope would make this team because of his solid shutdown uh, mentality and play style, getting into the lanes, blocking shots, but also chipping in every now and then with that offense. So for me, the defense, I kind of this is kind of the defense that I envisioned. Maybe... Again, maybe Carson Lambos was a bit of a glaring omission considering he was on that team before in August, played one game, but I thought maybe with that experience it would have helped him out with his two-way style. But you know what? They went with a different uh, mentality or different mindset right now. But overall, the defense shouldn't be an issue considering how you had that good blend of offense and defense and two-way style. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's going to be a hell of a tournament. Uh, I think we're seeing more and more talent come out of every nation. Uh, obviously, the... The promotion tournament's going on right now. Ukraine's playing well. Um, Japan missed out an opportunity to maybe make the World Juniors in 2024. Um, so we'll see that. We'll kind of keep an eye on that. Kyle Cushman is a great follow on, on Twitter for that as yes. well. Uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show at some point. Um, but quick prediction for a gold medal. Who do you guys got? Canada. I don't care if it's a homer take. Canada. All the way. Yeah, you're looking at probably Canada-U.S. matchup. Hopefully in the gold medal game because that USA team I, – I, I said this last year because I was skeptical of their goaltending, but it doesn't matter about their goaltending because their offense and defense are absolutely lights out. And the, a lot of their names from this year's draft are on that team. Cooley, McGroarty, um, Seamus Casey, Lane Hudson. It's, it, it's a deep team up front and on the blue line. So if they get far, it's going to be because of that. Well, I'd feel pretty shitty if I didn't take Canada as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that homer take and take Canada as well. <laughs> Imagine if Forbes, you're the anti-Canadian, sitting here picking like Finland or go, something. Go go Sweden. <laughs> Leo Carlson. Leo Carlson. Leo Carlson. I'm a big fan of him. So hey, I would um, hate it. Uh, before we jump over to our Leaf Talk boys, uh, just a quick word from our great sponsors over at the Indie Ale House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than a nice cold one from the folks at the NDL House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, and at Bay and Bloor, the Bureauteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew, Brew Pub at, in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps, NDL House is an award winning brewery featuring their flagship IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find their Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers for a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks or to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie L House is your go-to for game day. Visit www. IndieAleHouse.com to do your online orders today. Uh, again, thanks to the folks at India House. <laughs> Forbes to send you to a fake website. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. You know, anyways. That's all. I'm sorry. <laughs> Leaf Talk, boys. Leaf Talk. You guys mentioned the, the top four earlier in the episode, um, comparing top four players. And it seems to be a conversation that has hit the Twitterverse 
um, with a lot of the Oiler trolls that have been there since uh, day one of the season. We got Jack Campbell. He's better than everybody. So right from that, they've jumped into the top four players on the uh, on the Oilers are paid less and getting more individual points. Alex, as you take the last gulp of your beer here, let's talk about the top four players on the Leafs versus the top four players on the Oilers. Is it even a conversation? Um, I wouldn't say it's a conversation right now just because of where the standings are. But overall, I, this is the good way to sum it up. When you take the top two from each group, Marner Matthews, McDavid, Dreisaitl, you can absolutely make an argument that McDavid, Dreisaitl are better than Matthews, Marner. And, you know, if you're not a total Leafs homer, I think you can at least acknowledge that there's a conversation to be had about who's better between those two duos right there. Having said that, do not even think about putting Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the same stratosphere as John Tavares and William Neiman. That's where that's where I think the Leafs' top four really balances out a little more. Hyman and Nugent Hopkins are having great seasons so far, but if I recall correctly, I don't think Nugent Hopkins has had a season over 70 points or something. Maybe last year he did. Forbes is fact-checking this for me right now. If there are any Oilers fans watching, I may have just made a total ass of myself. Uh, let's see what he got here. No season over. No 69 season points. Over, exactly. nope. 69 points. Nice. High. And, and to be fair, last year he had he missed some games, 50 points in 63 games. We'll give him some credit there. Point is, you can't compare those two players to Tavares and Nylander. Tavares, John Tavares, first of all, would still be talked about as one of the top centers in the entire league if he wasn't on the Leafs. Because I find that when guys go to the Leafs, they lose some credibility around the league just because they're on the Leafs. Like, you can laugh all you want, but really, like, I guarantee, like, no, you notice how no one's, no one makes fun of Zach Hyman anymore. No one makes fun of Jack Campbell. No one makes fun of the guys that leave the Leafs. But as soon as they join the team, I mean, I, I would argue that a lot of people are making fun of oh, Jack Campbell. Okay, yeah, right now. right now, a lot of people are making fun. I'm talking about over the offseason. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. Over the offseason, you suddenly became this fucking Vezina contender. Yeah. After two straight years of hearing nothing but, is Jack Campbell really the guy to lead the Leafs up to the promised land? You know, to their credit, he wasn't, but he kind of became that guy as soon as he signed in Edmonton. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, like, I, I, as much as I think that the Leafs do have the better top four than the Oilers, I know that's a biased take. Let's fucking look at us right now. Like, um, obviously, you asked us this question, what do you think we're going to say? But at the same time, I do think that, you know, there's not a big gap. Like, I don't think it's a landslide for either, either team. I think they're both pretty similar. It's just... Tavares Nylander in a completely different tier than, than Nugent Hopkins and Hyman. I think that's where I stand. Peter, your thoughts on the argument of the top four. Obviously, we've been living in uh, Edmonton Oiler fans' heads for some time now uh, with the Jack Campbell signing. Um, your breakdown of those top four. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. David and Dreisaito are on another level of their own. Like, let's be realistic. Matthews and Marner, they're still top 10 players. If you discredit that, and then something's really wrong. I mean, we're, we're not going to sit here and discuss the fact that Matthews and Marner are better than McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're in the same tier, but McDavid and Dreisaitl are better. I'm just going to keep put that out there right now. Like Alex, Nugent Hopkins and Heinen, better than Nylander or Tavares? Not necessarily. And if you compare the two right now, they're already similar in points right now, and Nugent Hawkins and Hyman are going back and forth be between playing with Dreisaitl and McDavid. So I don't understand the fact that why players are going to say, yeah, they're the better of the four. Yeah, great, but when the playoffs comes, who's the only two players getting points for you guys? McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, they won. They made it to the conference finals, but let's face it. Take those two out of the equation, that's a first-round exit right there. This this is also isn't the 80s where you can have a Grant Fuhrer have a yeah. goals against of four plus and still win a cup right it's not it's not it, you can't outscore your demons forever and we we've learned that as Lee fans as well you know we thought we could go into the playoffs and outscore demons and then all of a sudden it's a defensive shutdown and the Leafs are struggling so yeah. I would also argue and I'm going to read out a quick tweet here we sent out from the sticks and the six podcast in relation to okay we take your top four forwards we'll look at our top four when it comes to goaltending Murray and Samsonov have a 6.847 million dollar cap hit They've combined for a 219 goals against a 929 save percentage. Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner have a 575 million uh, million dollar cap hit. 
Um, they've combined for 338 goals against an 899 save percentage. It's also worth noting that the Leafs have given up the third fewest goals per game this season, and they were a team that struggled mightily offensively mm-hmm. out of the gate. You're talking about a Matthews, a player like Matthews not scoring at the same clip that he has over the last three seasons. You're talking about Marner, who just didn't seem to find his groove until he switched lines. You're talking about, you know, maybe William Nylander was the most consistent this season, yeah. and John Tavares was getting those grimy goals. Aside from that, the Leafs were not scoring to the, the ability of what we know the Leafs mm-hmm. can score. And that's not a homer take. It's literally, we've watched this team over the years with Marner and Matthews and the offense that they provide. And it wasn't the same Maple Leafs team that we've seen over the years. So an argument can be made there that, yeah, the 30-point difference between the Oilers' top four and the Maple Leafs' top four, maybe it looks a little different if the Leafs were scoring at the same clip that they are now. I'd also add this, balance. You're getting better balance on forwards, defense, more so than you are with the Oilers. You're you're very top-heavy with two players that are carrying the offensive load right now. And you just mentioned the stats right now about Murray and uh, Samsonov's goaltending. I just came out with the uh, three early Christmas gifts for the Leafs, right? And breaking it down even more, five on five with 300 minutes played, Samsonov and Murray are in top 10 of major categories like save percentage, goal saved above average, high danger save percentage, and high danger goals against. Both are in the top 10. Matt Murray is the is in 16th with goal saved above average. So out of all those categories, only one is outside of the top 10 in that in that regard. So you are getting that consistent goaltending, and it's your to try and say that, oh, at least are better off with Campbell again. Not a chance. Not a chance when you're getting with the results that we are right now. And the defense is playing better in front of them. We can criticize and pinpoint Justin Hall for certain mistakes every now and then, even with like Morgan Riley with his giveaways and positioning. This team is better equipped defensively. And even so, Jack Campbell had a relatively the same defensive unit last season. Going over to a worse defensive Oilers team right now, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah, no, I, I, I've... Look, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for Jack Campbell. I yeah. think he was a great guy in the room. He was great to have. Statistically speaking, he was better on the leash because the the defense in front of him was... And was the offense outscored the problems. 100%. 100%. Um, speaking of the offense and speaking of the slow starts, the Leafs are hot lately, boys. And uh, all through November into December, the Leafs have played well. Uh, I believe they're, what, 13 games, 14 games with a point now? 14, yeah. 14 games with a point. Austin Matthews has a seven-game point streak. Michael Bunting has an eight-game point streak. And Mitch Marner has a 22-game point streak. Hence, they're not wearing a jersey tonight. Um, I want to see it keep going. I want to see it to continue. I want to see it continue. Um, your thoughts on the streaks as the Leafs continue this hot month of December that they've been on? Is there any more fun time to be a sports fan than if you're a Leafs fan in November? Yeah. November Cup, win it time. every year. The, the November the Cup, constant winners of the November Cup. It's great. Who needs a Stanley Cup? When you hey, hey Gary, at the next time you, uh, the next time you have a, a little press conference, maybe instead of talking about the playoff format, let's talk about a November Cup because the, the Leafs. Cup. Yeah, yeah, there we go. The cup in November. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, excuse me. They've uh, they've all been doing great. Um, Sorry, that was a bit of an aggressive. Okay, I'm I'm throwing random numbers and words at you. Um, Random pop culture references too. The uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about Mitch Marner than we've than we've said already on the show. I told Peter on the lounge yesterday that you know I've said it a million times. Mitch Marner could be the most frustrating player to watch when he's not on his game, but when he is on his game, top five most entertaining player in the league to watch. Just for that purpose, I mean, he's a. He's a great player, and not only is he dominating offensively right now, he's playing with swagger. He's he's showing a lot more balls as a as a defensive player, like that that five on three against oh, Dallas. That was absolutely beautiful. I've I've never like that was the best defensive effort I think I've seen since Tim Brent's penalty kill. That, that, that shot block on on Robertson, like that was everything to me. Yeah, that was everything. The, the one hand down. Broke his stick down to two point, basically two and a half guys, as Chris Cuthbert said. And, you know, that 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 type of will for Mitch Marner, I think, is a big middle finger to everybody that says he doesn't he doesn't care. He doesn't try. So, I mean, yeah, Marner is he's a special player. And I hope he keeps this up for as long as possible because he 
like I said, most one of the most entertaining players in the league to watch when he's on his game. It's been a huge part of the Leafs' success so far. Um, I just want to see I want to see as much of this as possible. So I hope he keeps it up. And uh, it's just it, it's been a treat to watch so far. And and it, it's clearly impacting the entire team. They've had an amazing month of November. They're playing with a level of confidence. I can't remember the last time that they've really had a like a, a no show game. Like a game comparable to one of those games against San Jose or Anaheim, like ironically enough, Anaheim or LA back when they went to California. It was one of the worst stretches of play I've ever seen from this team before. And, you know, they've had their off games throughout the month of November, but overall they've looked great. And they've looked in control, they've looked dominant, and I just I want to see more of it because it's not it's not common for Leafs fans to be able to watch their team play with that kind of consistency. There was one streak I didn't mention as well as, uh, and and obviously we know how goaltenders can be, um, but Ilya Samsonov's uh, home unbeaten streak is is uh, getting fairly close to what Jack Campbell set a little while ago. So uh, it's an in episode delivery from Barry at that Indian house. Thank you, Barry. Appreciate it. Oh, and they're cold. Oh, and they're cold. There you go. Look at these guys diving in. The guys are diving in. Oh yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, gentlemen, to to be at that that point where you've got a goaltender playing to the level that he's playing, you have a player like Mitch Marner playing to the level that he's playing. You have a team that's playing to the level that they're playing. Peter, what are your thoughts on on these streaking leaps? Uh like Alex said, I want to see more. But it's like even like when he said before, even when they're not at their best. They're still finding ways to win and still finding that drive and that mentality. And that was what was lacking for all this time. I mean, we saw bits and spurts of it last season, even at points during the playoffs. Like, we saw that drive to win, like that killer instinct. That penalty-killing shift from Marner, that was killer instinct. What, how they're able to respond in adversity, that is killer instinct. They're able to try and... <laughs> I need that's such a beautiful you gotta sound. Make, you gotta make I that sound. To, I needed to get it right. Plus, I traded thought there, but you want to see that. You want to see that because this is the kind of play that's going to be successful in the playoffs. And we keep on saying that's when the time that it's going to matter. Having this type of consistency is going to carry over. If you if you maintain that for a full eighty two game season, for depending on how many more games you go into the playoffs, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten games, whatever. That's going to be huge. And I think right now that that could be a turning point or a reason why that will uplift the Leafs and be like, hey, we're doing this without or two of our top defenders in Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin. We're doing this out of the fact that we want to win. We want to do this. We want to put our best foot forward. If they're able to do that, this, the sky's the limit for this team right now. We're talking about a guy who's only missed – or only had two games this season without a point, Mitch Marner. Yeah. Um, as you guys mentioned, we don't want to kind of play with that. I'm leaving the jersey off. We're not making bets on Mitch Marner's nope. streak. We want to see you continue going. There's a lot, and I think, Alex, you mentioned something on Twitter here. As uh, In the last 10 games, the Ducks are 2-6-2 and two this season. Or two, Sorry, last, last 10 games, 2-6-2. and two. They've lost two straight. Let me read off some stats for you. Power play percentage, 31st in the league. Penalty kill, 32nd in the league. Face-off percentage, 27th in the league. Goals for per game, 32nd in the league. And goals against per game, 32nd in the league. So you're saying it's a trap stop, game. Stop, it's a trap stop, game, stop, isn't it? We're going to get there. to the preview in a second here, boys. But there's a fair there's a fair assumption among Leafs, <laughs> Leafs Twitter and Leafs Nation that this could be the game where everything comes to a crashing halt. We'll talk about that in one more second here, but... Um, goaltending, David Alter, yeah. front of the show. We're, we're going to talk about our impending doom, but first, let's talk about the. <laughs> well, it keeps people listening. It keeps people intrigued. Right? Yeah. We're going to talk the about the best for last. Uh, are we saving the best for last? Though I don't know. Friend of the show, David Alter, reported that the Leafs have stated that neither goaltender is going to go on an extended run. They're going to kind of go that one A one B route. It seems to be working at this point. Aside from the fact that both have had injuries, Eric Shalgren's come in and had a hell of a. Hell of a run as well. Um, obviously, numbers may be more average than what we'd, we'd expect. But that being said, is this the right thing to do for the Maple Leafs? Peter, we'll start with you going back and forth. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, 
getting like sports comparisons in here, you know, the Kawhi Leonard, the summer of Kawhi, right? The trade that happened, they did low management with him throughout the season. Granted, it's a different scenario, but you want to, because both goaltenders have starter potential, you want to keep them fresh. You don't want to keep them waiting on the bench for too long. You don't want to give Murray eight, nine games, whereas opposed you're only going to give Samson up two, three. Balance it out. Giving it three and three or intervals of two and three is perfectly fine. Because, like I said, both are like having great stats. They're having great numbers with their goals against average and save percentage this season. It doesn't matter who you put in because you're going to have a chance to win no matter what. And I, we've talked about this many times before. We have never seen a tandem like this that's this consistent, this deep, or this you know impressive since what? Anderson and McElhaney like in 2016-17 when this first the first core season happened. So you know what? The fact that there's going to be no stretch run is great. It keeps them fresh. And by the time that the playoffs come, if you have a bona fide starter or if you want to do the same thing in the playoffs to throw the opposition off, that could be an underrated factor as well. Because if you have Matt Murray two games and he has does one one this bad in the other, they have the read on him. You go to Samson off for game three or four, that just kind of changes the momentum right then and there to try and say, hey, doesn't matter who we put in net, we're going to stop the puck no matter what. Alex, your thoughts on the back and forth, the 1A, 1B kind of mentality? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's the clear-cut best move for this team so far, and we've been talking about it ever since the start of the offseason when they brought these guys in. Forbes, you wrote the article about how good the internal competition is going to be for these guys and getting them back into form and getting them back to a level they can be at. And a big reason for that is, is by helping each other out, pushing each other, and ultimately, if these guys both play at their best, then that's what's going to happen. We're going to have these guys playing probably 40 games apiece. And that would be a thing of beauty. I mean, Peter mentioned it. You know, we, you, you look back to the goaltending tandems the Leafs have had, going back to like 2016-17, when they had Curtis McElhaney. Curtis McElhaney was their last like reliable backup that you could go to in a game and not feel worried about what was going to happen. Incredible should, run. You should mention that it was Jonas Enroth, I believe, that was the it was first Enroth one. Enroth started the season. Yes. Yeah, he started and then they the put season on their backup. Yeah. That didn't work out, obviously. Um, but even like, what what has hurt the Leafs goalies the most in these past couple of seasons? Burnout. Freddie Anderson has had to deal with a number of shit backups during his time in Toronto. He had to deal with Jonas Enroth, like we said, in the first year. Had to deal with Garrett Sparks. Had to deal with Michael Hutchinson until they traded for Jack Campbell. And when they traded for Campbell, that was the first kind of point where he got to take some games off and it gave him a backup that they could rely on. But then that was right around the time when Anderson started to falter a little bit as well. And what was that a result of? Porna. And let's not forget David Riddick, too. David Riddick, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, David Riddick was more of a third goalie. Yeah, yeah. Leafs legend. Leafs le Leaf Leaf legend, legend, David Riddick. Riddick. Big save Dave. Or no save Dave, as we like to call him <laughs> when he was in Toronto. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then Jack Campbell last year, you know, the whole point of them signing Peter Mrazek was to give the Leafs a 1A, 1B tandem. Yeah. Peter Mrazek got hurt in the second game, came back. You know, he was, he was, he was okay. Same injury. Got the injury again, came back in January, and then he was just terrible for like the months of February and March. And then Jack Campbell had started to falter in January. Mrazek had a couple of good games, but it got to a point where you couldn't rely on either goalie. Campbell ended up getting injured. Tandem was Mrazek and Shalgren. Mrazek, you know, he was decent. He had a couple of good games here and there, but he was not good at all last year. And then by the time Campbell was healthy, Mrazek went right back on the injured reserve. So, you know, Matt Murray's health has been a bit of a concern, his durability. We obviously saw both goalies get injured at least once this year. But I think that as long as these guys just keep pushing each other and they stay healthy, obviously, and the Leafs keep running them as a tandem where it's like, hey, we're going to start this guy here, we're going to start this guy here, keep going back and forth between them. There's potential for the best tandem this team's had in a long time. So I think they just got to keep doing what they're doing. Peter, um, we talked a little bit about uh, what we got going here. We got the, the Robertson injury last week. or We talked about a little bit about Robertson getting back in the lineup last week. Um, obviously gets back in, injures his shoulder. He's gone for, four, they're saying, four to six weeks. Um, I put a tweet out right away that, you know, what happens with a young guy – you know, 21 years old, yeah. 
hasn't got consistent reps in the lineup. And now we're talking about another injury for a guy who's just seems to sustain injury after injury after injury. He's had a terrible run with the Leafs. What are your thoughts on Robertson? Do we see him again in the Leafs lineup this year? I mean, you would like to see him in the Leafs lineup at some point again because just when he was getting his opportunities throughout the, or like trying to get into the lineup as, as sporadic as it's been, he's getting those looks. And that's important for, you know, what are the top prospects in the system? You want to see him how well he would play in that top six role because that's his ceiling, right? Yeah. I, I'm just going back at the injuries that he's already faced or what he's had to endure early on in his career right now, you know? Uh, you know, second OHL season cut short because of the pandemic. Jumps into the AHL, looks relatively well. Comes back, plays one or two games with the Leafs. For, or first game in, sh- his shift was only two minutes, I believe, against the Ottawa Senators. Out four, to, four weeks with a leg injury. Then you go back to last season where two games in, he's out eight to ten weeks with a fractured uh, fibula, I believe. Now you have another six, a long-term injury right now, and it's like he cannot catch a break. And it's like everything that he – the work that he's put in, the strength, the weight gain, or the muscle added in the offseason, it's like he, he just can't buy a break. And it's really disappointing because when he comes back right now, if you insert him into the lineup, and let's face it, what I, I'm expecting worst-case scenario. What if down the line he has another bad injury? What are you going to do then? Are you still going to give him those opportunities? Or is this going to be in those instances where not necessarily he needs a fresh start because he's not getting into the lineup, but a fresh start because, you know, do you still want to have a player get injured constantly all the time? And I would love to still see Nick Robertson as a top six player. Let's face it, the shot, the intensity, and the speed is all there. It's been on display every single game that he's played. It's just right now, if he's going to be injured most of the time, you're now in a tough spot before a whole entire different reason right now. And I hope he, I, we all want him to get healthy. We all want to see him back, but man, it just sucks not seeing him play consistently with all the injuries that he's having right now. Alex, I mean, obviously it's been a tough run for this kid. And uh, we, we've seen what he can do when he's on. We, we want a little bit more consistency, get this guy some time in the lineup and, you know, see what he does. And obviously goes down with a tough break. Your thoughts on uh, Nick Robertson? Do we see him again at, uh, in the NHL this season? I mean, I think the fact that his injury said it's – or the status of his injury was that he's only out six to eight weeks, which I think is better than what I thought was going to happen at first. And he decided to go forego in, uh, surgery as well. Which is good. For like, physiotherapy, I yeah. guess. At this which point, is yeah. good. So, I mean, that, that leaves me with some optimism that maybe we'll see him towards the end of January around then. Having said that – I, it's it just sucks for him. Like the guy, every it seems like every single time he has an opportunity to get some regular minutes in the top six or get some regular minutes just with the Leafs in general and really go on a run and and, and establish his spot in the lineup, he gets hurt. And you know we love throwing around the the, the you know made in glass terminology and joking around like certain guys can't stay healthy, etc. All of Robertson's injuries to me have been bad luck. Just yeah. he, plays, he, he puts everything on the line. Yeah. I, that's the way I took it, and especially this one. Goes into the corner, takes a hit. Matt yeah. Roy, he was like six four. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, it's like like you said, it's it's bad luck. I, I think the, the the getting into the lineup has been bad luck as well. I mean, you look at the Leaf team now. You got Cali Yonkroke eventually coming back yep. as well. Yeah, you got Pierre Engvall coming off his suspension. You got Wayne Simmons waiting in the wins as well. You got a fucking metric health out of players in the Pontus minors. Holmberg yeah. playing incredible. Holmberg, yes. Holmberg's not coming out of the lineup. Alex, no. Steve's, Alex Steve's playing well for the Marlies. Yeah. Joey Anderson's Joey got a Anderson. chance. He actually looked now. good against the LA Kings. I was more high yeah. on Steve's getting into the game or getting a call-up, but I've been impressed with Anderson. I was going to say, I think Anderson actually made himself um, usable in, mm-hmm. in, in the Leafs lineup last game. That drawn well. penalty cutting in front of the net, that is what you want to see for someone from Anderson. I was going to say, because Joey Anderson's sort of claim to fame, I remember when the Leafs traded for him, was that he's a guy, kind of guy who's just puts everything on the line. You know, he, he'll uh, he'll he'll get under the skin of opponents and stuff. Just one of those players. Mm-hmm. Like a Michael Bunting type. And, you know, he's never really gotten a chance to showcase that for a consistent amount of games in the lineup because of how stacked or not, I would, uh, not necessarily stack, but just how deep the Leafs' depth is. So it'll be fun to see him going around now and just see what he can do. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And as you mentioned, bad luck for, for a kid tr- just trying to get in the league. And we've seen what his brother can do with Dallas. And 
I, I'm, I'm convinced that this kid has the same level of talent. It yes. just needs that consistent reps. But uh, obviously, we won't see him for, for a couple months now before he gets back. And if he gets back, if not, hopefully he finds a way to grind it out and, and make, you know, make his time in the AHL worth it, make it uh, grow and develop and continue to, to progress to that next level. Um, but boys, we got a game tonight. We got a game tonight. Yeah. Uh, is there a game tonight? The pending, the pending doom, as we 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 talked about earlier. I read off the stats. I read off where the the Anaheim Ducks rank in the uh, in the NHL in terms of a number of stats, goals for, goals against, power play, you name it. They're they're in the bottom five, maybe even the bottom three in the entire league in every uh, every team stat. But the Leafs seem to have trouble with those teams, and they seem to play down to that level. And as much as we don't want to put any pressure on the Mitch Marners, the Austin Matthews, the Ilya Samsonovs, the pressure's there to win against a team like this and not get those, as Edmonton Oilers fans would call it, the loser points. Make sure you get it done in regulation. Make sure you get, you know, get the job done. Uh, Alex, what are you looking for tonight? Samsonov starting, Leafs take on the Ducks. What are your keys to the Leafs game tonight? So I'm going to say this. If this game was happening a month ago, which it pretty much did when the Leafs played Anaheim back in October, I would be shitting myself and I would be hammering Anaheim money line in this game. After the way that they've played all month, and I, you know what? I know how easy it is to make jokes about that and say, oh, the Leafs are always the winner of the November Cup, etc., etc., etc. But, you know, these guys are... You can't deny that if you've watched every Leaf game for this past month, they have been playing better as a unit. And when I say as a unit, I don't mean scoring themselves out of games and finding ways to win every night. I mean they've been playing better defensively. Their goaltending's been better. The stars have been showing up. And it's it, it, I've just seen a level of connection from this team that I haven't seen in a long time. So when you list off all those stats about the... Uh, when you lift, when you list off all the stats about where Anaheim ranks and goal scored, goals against, penalty kill, power play, go down the list. There's still a tiny part of me as a broken Leafs fan that's worried about how they're going to respond to that. But at the same time, I, I would not be surprised if they came out tonight and they 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 played the way they were supposed to, because realistically, this is the way that it should be. I mean, you're talking about it's one of the hottest teams in the league in. Uh, in November and just into December as well. You're talking about the worst team in the league. Anaheim's got one win in regulation this year, which is fuck to think about. I mean, the, this should this should be a game the Leafs run away with with these. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. And as hilarious and, you know, ridiculous it sounds like to say, I think that tonight is a big test for them. Because it'll if, to me, it'll prove to me if they win tonight and they come out and they play the way they're supposed to, it'll prove to me that they've abandoned, at least for now, this whole playing down to their opponents thing. Because we haven't seen much of that since the California road trip. And I'll tell you also, I would be more worried about this game if the Leafs were playing these guys for the first time this season or had already beat them. The fact that they lost to them originally, I just have a hard time see, seeing them losing twice and losing, getting swept in the season series to the Ducks. So basically what Alex is saying is Leafs at minus one and a half, Matthews is scoring time, <laughs> And Marner to get over I'm, a no, point no, no, and a half. No, no. I'm not saying any of that. Do not, <laughs> bet the, do not ever bet the Maple Leafs. Don't do it. Uh, Peter, your thoughts and your takeaways on what to expect from the Leafs tonight against the Ducks. Yeah, the good news is last time that Toronto played Anaheim, Eric Schaubern was in net. And granted, he was also a bit of a slow start, but he picked it up. And the Maple Leafs lost in overtime. But you do have one of your starters in Ilya Samsonov right now. So that's some reassurance right now that you got – one of your starters in that. that. That's a big bonus. The fact that, you know, I'm going to jump to the game against the Buffalo Sabres where they were in like a six, seven game losing streak. Maple Leafs came out flying and played like they should against a team that has been struggling. This is what you want to see. And even the game against the Calgary Flames, they had that hot start with the Matthews goal, but then it kind of fizzled out where they were trying to get like, you know, complacent, turning the puck over quite a bit turned it around and managed to call their way back when they were facing adversity. Now you're in the same situation right now with the Leeson Ducks right now where 
this is a team that's struggling right now. You want to go out and you want to just absolutely dominate from here on out. So I'm hoping for like a really big game right now. Obviously, you want the offense to continue. You want to see Marner hit 23 games. But this is, a, again, like Alex said, this is a different team right now that we saw at the end of October. And if they're able to dominate and start, you know, not playing down to their opposition and not fall into that trap game, this is going to be a win. So we do have a quick comment uh, from Maple Leaf fan, Maple underscore Leaf underscore fan on Twitter. He, he is just, the Maple Leaf fan. He is the Maple Leaf fan. He, just, he, he says, I'll throw this out there. Robertson is hurt so much as bad as it is to say I liken him to Melkin, not in terms of skill, but in terms of staying healthy. What is everyone's knock on Melkin? Health. That is beginning to become the, the look on Robertson. Uh, right or wrong, not sure. So I don't know what you guys uh, think of that. but uh, I, I mean, I, I can definitely see where that take comes from, given what we've seen from Robertson and his limited sample sizes in the NHL and the AHL. Um, I think it's a little early to, to compare him to Malkin in that sense because Malkin's injury issues have continued throughout his entire career. For all we know, Robertson might just be on a really bad stretch, an unlucky stretch of getting injured. But at the same time, He's trending that way, and if he's trending that way, you gotta you gotta speculate on it and talk about it the way it is right now. And as of now, he can't play more than like 15 games in a season without getting injured. So, um, yeah, it sucks for him right now. I see the comparison of Malkin, but I'm I'm just holding out hope that he can shed that reputation by the time he actually makes his makes himself as a full time NHL. Yeah, we have to recognize he's still only 21 years old. Lots of time to get in the lineup and and on a full time gig. Uh, what I'll say for tonight's game. Since Alex won't, Leafs, I take puck line uh, at minus one and a half. I take Matthews to score any time, and I take Marner for two points. Um, parlay that. I, I guarantee a nice little payout. Um, but don't hold me accountable if it doesn't hit. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Andrew, but don't come, don't come back and, and, and shit listen on to him. Listen to him, but don't work. listen to him. But, boys, I, honestly, in all honesty, this is the game that they should win. Uh, it's a team that – like I said, ranks in the bottom three in every statistical category from a team standpoint. Um, I'm, I'm a big John Gibson guy. I love John Gibson. I think he's been hung out to dry in Anaheim this season. He's facing and like upwards ones. of 35 shots a game. Um, so in that sense, I mean, you talk about goaltender fatigue. There's a perfect example of goaltender fatigue. We got Samsonov going, continuing his streak. Um, is it, it's not Gibson starting tonight, is it? I think he started last night in Ottawa. It might not. It might not. It might not be. Regardless, I mean, you look at Stolarz's yeah, number. Remember when people were suggesting Stolarz be like the tandem option that the Leafs signed? So to give you give you an idea, Stolarz's oh, number is two and five with a four hundred two and eight eighty six. So wait, so is someone injured in that tandem? Yeah, Gibson's likely. Yeah. Shout out Jordan, our producer, for that tidbit. Thanks. There you go. There you go, Jordan Laroche. Jordan Laroche. Uh, Gibson though five thirteen and oh, three no, with a three ninety nine. It says on Sportsnet confirmed. So I guess we confirmed. are confirmed. There you go. Right. Confirmed by our producer Jordan. There you Breaking go. Breaking news live. Um, eight ninety four save percentage. So again, John Gibson's had a had a really rough run against uh, against opponents this season. Um, it should be a game that the Leafs can take handedly. They're playing well. Uh, Samsonov's putting his uh, his home unbeaten streak on the line as well. So that's something to focus on. Um, he, he looked, he looked good in his last start coming off injury yeah. as well. Um, and, uh, we, we look for another leaf win as, uh, Samsonov continues his Vesna type season behind the Linus Olmark in Boston. The Leafs should consider that I will be in the building for the first time this season and they do not want to make me sad. There you go. There you go. You're listening, Sheldon Keefe. There you go. I'm, sh I'm sure he's, I'm sure they've got it going in the dressing room right now. Um, <laughs> playing the six and the six live from bottom line. Free game motivation. Why not? You never know. You never know. <laughs> But uh, boys, before we before we close out here at the bottom line, anything else you guys wanted to uh, give a shout out for? No, I mean we've been like I said, it's been a blast doing these shows. If you've tuned in, thank you. If you've commented, asking questions or uh, dropping your takes, thank you for that. It's been uh, it's been an amazing time. We look forward to doing this all the time. And uh, go go Leafs go! Hope they can get it done tonight. Peter, anything you want to add? Uh, what Alex said. Um, just basically, always great to come out here. Like. The support is just absolutely immense. Love talking hockey with you guys. Love talking hockey for the fans out there. So you know what? Again, goalie skull. Let's hope that they can win it. Don't fall into the trap. So one thing I forgot to mention earlier in the show, Alex Ovechkin just three goals away from 800. He takes on 
the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. So very doable. Empty net goals have, have been his thing over the last little bit. Um, but before we close out, I've been sitting on this. For hat trick for Ovi? I'm taking. Why not? Why not? He's going for 800. Ovi, when Ovi wants something, Ovi gets it. He'll, he'll, he'll get it. He will. Um, but uh, I've been sitting on this half pint of Canadian uh, for the entire episode. As uh, you know Curtis, this is for? This is for Curtis from Alberta. There so, you go. Uh, Curtis from Alberta. He's the one guy that said he wanted to see something on the show, and he wanted to see uh, me down a beer. So To the buds! To the buds, yes, buddy. Sir. Thanks! Go! There you go. So there you go, Curtis. Um, Curtis, we want to see you down here, we man. We want to see you down here, buddy. We'll, we'll, we look forward to seeing you in January. Uh, aside from that, gentlemen, as always, it was a fun time here at the bottom line, 22 Front Street. Um, Jump Street. Jump Street, Front Street, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Uh, here in the locker room studio, and as always, getting together with you guys and uh, just shooting the shit about our boys in blue and white. So, with that, you can follow Alex on Twitter at a Hobson Media. Great follow. You can follow Peter, also a great follow at P Barracini. You can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes, or you can follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E six I X P O D. And uh, making sure you hit us up on YouTube, Facebook, into it Twitter, uh, TikTok, you name it, we're on it. Check out all your uh, podcast streaming uh, services. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're all over the place. So all make sure you check us out. And we're hopefully going to be selling these sweaters hopefully soon. So make sure you get yourself a sweater for Sticks in the Six as well and represent uh, you know, a homegrown podcast. Holidays are around the corner. Holidays are around the corner. Exactly. You never know. Maybe we'll have a Boxing Day discount. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, gentlemen, as always, it's been a it's been a fun time to to talk some hockey with you, and uh, we'll be back next week for episode one hundred and eight.